Good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, Kitchen Table Talk. I'm John Lendorf. Usually, uh, hear me every week on uh, Radio Nibbles, but uh, once a month on the first Thursday, we gather a uh, brain trust of uh, culinary and agricultural talent into the studio to talk about food, dining, uh, food-related issues, uh, and uh, how to uh, how to cook rutabagas and uh, almost anything else. What that means is that you're around the table here with us, and we'd love to have your uh, calls about uh, food and to ask questions of our guests. And uh, you can call 303-442-4242 uh, in a few minutes. And uh, my congenial co-host, Daniel, nice to see you. And it was And it was wonderful to go to a farm dinner at the Farmette and yes. taste your food last week. Thank you. I'm so I'm so happy you were at the table. That was a, an absolutely lovely dinner. Uh, Dan is the uh, chef owner at uh, River and Woods and uh, a number of other uh, establishments. Would you like to introduce our guests? I would love to. Yes, I am so excited. We have so much talent and heart um, in the studio uh, this morning. So first of all, uh, farmer owner of Esoterra Culinary Garden, one of the most talented growers I've ever encountered. Uh, Mark Tiraspinas is joining us. How are you this morning, Mark? I'm doing great, Daniel. Excellent. Good to be here. Great, great. And then um, Jen Messinger, uh, amazing uh, founder, owner of Lucky's Bakehouse, uh, one of my favorite spots. Uh, got my uh, little one a birthday cake, the s'mores uh, cake, not so long ago at your amazing place. Well, How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. We've got a, a box full of goodies and some amazing produce and i'm excited to see where everything goes today is that a donut or a cronut uh this is a french donut and well that's a french donut right there oh. a little apple butter cinnamon glaze and we also i brought some stuff from the cafe some little Ooh. donut holes lemon ricotta with a little bit of the raspberry fun mm. dip that we serve over oh there. my gosh so which, good which means folks if you have uh questions about uh how to bake using all the wonderful stuff that's uh, at farm stands and at the farmer's market. Uh, um, Jen is the, the person to ask about, uh, you know, your, uh, your baking uh, challenges. And Yeah, 100%. Yeah, baking is uh, something that's always intimidated me personally. I've always lived on the savory side of the equation because I feel <laughs> like there's uh, a lot of room for improvisation um, and I find the technical elements of the pastry side of the culinary world um, <clears throat> intimidating and constricting, I would say, personally. But I think once you're a master as you are, I think there's also room for improv and having fun. But it's about knowing That's right. how everything reacts. There's a lot of alchemy involved. There is. I, I don't think it's as scary as a lot of people think. Sometimes you just need to jump in, but you do have, you know, your basic formulas that you've curated throughout the years and those you can adjust and tweak and change and, right. you know, if you have those in your back pocket, you yeah. know, there's a lot of different things you can do, but... That's true. Jen, um, remind people, uh, but this is the, the origin story uh, question, about how, how you started baking and um, there was some uh, baking, local baking history in your in your family yeah i mean grew up in jamestown yeah <laughs> where exactly. dan lives now yes so, amazing community <laughs> yeah so cool uh, very yeah very local um and i was thinking about this last night when i was first kind of introduced to 
the culinary arts through my parents. We used to go out to San Francisco in the summers to visit my aunt, and I guess this was like mid-80s, and um, just to see some of the stuff going on there, you know, Star's Restaurant and some of the beautiful bakeries, and um, it just kind of changed my life. And um, when I got to college, um, I studied French, then I moved to France, and saw all the beautiful, I mean, I, I'll, I'll never forget um, walking into my first patisserie and seeing some of those beautiful tarts that look like jewelry, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it brought me to my knees. It really did. And that's why I love doing what I do today, because I love watching people walk in the door and the reaction to seeing the pastries and how excited they get. And, you know, I know that feeling and I'd love to share mm-hmm. that feeling with people but oh mm-hmm. how do i got started um didn't your mom That's my great. mom my mom um <laughs> she she was a really good um she wasn't a pastry she was not you know professional pastry chef but she we were dirt poor and she would sell uh some of her desserts back door to some of the restaurants in town like what which one i don't know if i should say <laughs> oh, you know that was a, that was yeah. you know before yeah. the statute of right. uh, pastry <laughs> <It was> a- <laughs> No charges will be filed. It's fine. Yes, totally. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. She, she did. You know, she worked at the Flagstaff House as a hostess, and she would uh, sell them some desserts on the side. That's um, great. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love Our birthday it. cakes were always amazing, but you know, I, that went on a lot more even before there were cottage bakers and things. There were there were people. Uh, baking things uh, and then selling them professionally, you know. Right. Uh, and that's how a lot of people got started. Those were great times. Great times. I... Yes. Um, and Mark, you have an amazing um, palette of goods in front of you. But but uh, how did you, you know, what was your, your inspiration? What was yeah. your what was your first gardening memory or or vegetable memory or something that what 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 got you here? Mm-hmm. I mean, my first gardening memory was really a, a little plot. It was, uh, it wasn't even a raised. It was, it was, it was probably two feet by twenty feet in, uh, in Goss Grove when I first moved to Boulder in two thousand five. And you know, at that point, it, it felt like uh, a whole world of plants, and I would tend to them and harvest, and you know, I had my little garden for for my kitchen, and. Um, over time, that just continued to grow. And um, I came from a background that was really had nothing at all to do with farming. Mm-hmm. I studied literature and history. Um, and my love of vegetables really came from working at the farmer's market. I worked with Ela Family Farms mm-hmm. when I uh, back in 2007 and eight, and um, I had just a curiosity about how to eat really well. I mean, we eat three times a day, and each with each meal you get this opportunity to make a choice that's going to make you really happy. And that's kind of this, this thing that, that brought me deeper and deeper into this world of growing. So um, awesome. most of what you grow goes to restaurants, yeah? It's true. All of it goes to restaurants, yeah. And uh, in this case, I don't think the, the statute of vegetable limitations apply so you can tell us who 
some of the folks that you grow vegetables for. I was going to say, we still go to the back door and <laughs> drop off vegetables. No, it still is the back There's door. There's some trunk-to-trunk transactions but, in an alley. But, yeah. but what, are, what are some of the restaurants that right. uh, Esoterica, Esoterra uh, supplies? Right, right. So um, in Boulder, we, we work with uh, Corita and Frosca and Pizzeria Locale. And um, we work Black with Belly? Ashkara down in Denver. Mm-hmm. We work with uh, Black Belly, yeah. definitely. Yep. Um, you grow, you grow, you grow, um, do you grow things specifically for restaurants that they ask you to grow? Or are you, are you growing uh, things and then saying, here's what I have? It's a dance, you know? I mean, we, uh, we grow all kinds of things that we've kind of developed kind of production models for and relationships to things that, that I love to grow. Um, and then I listen to, to my chefs and what they're excited about. And sometimes it takes a year mm-hmm. or two, but we'll, we'll respond and grow more or less or whatever. You know? But you grow some unusual things that you might not find uh at uh yes in the king remarkable things in the mm-hmm. in the king supers uh produce department what are what are some of those vegetables and fruits and things that you you're you're growing now right well actually i brought one of them today um for everyone to check out this is uh this is a cucamelon or a mexican sour gherkin um it's a wonderful uh wildish plant that um, produces a tiny, um, tiny cucumber that looks like uh, a watermelon. Can it's, you hear that crunch, folks? <laughs> it's got a wonderful pop to it. Wow, mm. citrusy. Really so very easy to do wow. a quick a quick pickle with. Absolutely, yeah. So good. I think it really lends itself to the to the amuse bouche concept. Uh, it just makes your mouth happy, you know. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, hard to grow. Uh, they're actually the nice thing about growing a, a wild. A wild plant, ostensibly, is that it's very resistant to pests and disease. So, whereas we we do have challenges on our cucumbers and squash plants, as all farmers do, um, with with pests, um, uh, the cucumelons are just unstoppable, and they form a beautiful alley, ten foot tall uh, trellised rows that we can go down, pluck, 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 pick these tiny little. They're the size of your fingernail, folks. Pluck, They're pluck, pluck, small. pluck. Amazing. It's the best thing I've heard all day. Yes. Um, and uh, looks, like, looks like you also have strawberries. I did bring strawberries. Uh, oh. You know, a little bit of sweetness is is good for us all, and um, it for me, it's it's symbolic of the place that I've come in my farming career that. I can dedicate some space in the garden to strawberries, which I'll never have enough to to really provide to to restaurants on a large scale. But I really grow them for my daughter. She's mm-hmm. uh, she's uh, nine years old, and and you know the the joy on her face and her her appreciation for them is just it's everything. Because she can just go out in the garden and grab something and and go ooh. I mean, it's a little bit more. Um, uh, it takes a little bit more work because yes, she can do that, but we're also going out and harvesting, you know, a stack of clams so we can take them back and make strawberry jam and, you know, all that stuff. So I wanted to learn about like how to pick too, you know, and how to, how to choose the Mm. ripest red. And she's just really good. So are you growing any interesting beans? Um, beans, interestingly, have fallen off the crop roster this year. We did a real nice run of, of beautiful pole beans, which have wonderful eating qualities. Uh, we grew a purple and a yellow variety this year. And um, 
we had some trouble because of the wet spring with uh, with our borlotti beans and our ag our um, our shrimp beans, um, which is just another another variety of snap bean. Um, and so so we kind of took a break from beans, but there's always so many other things in the garden um, that, uh, that that'll take yeah. the anything really weird. Oh, we should talk say, about the. It was oh, yeah. a marigold uh, last week, and yeah. there was you had some sort of succulent. Oh, the agretti. Saw, yes, the right. agretti. Right. Oh, yeah. Agretti. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, what is it? It was almost like a little succulent. Yeah, it, it's um, it's almost like stick-like. It's uh, it's it's a seaside plant that um, that is also called saltwort um, agretti. Uh, it's it's got kind of a mineral flavor profile, like a little bit salty. And um, it's crunchy. Yeah. And you'd find it in the markets in in Italy from like April to to June, basically. And, um, but but it grows here. Uh, but yeah, we found a lot of things that 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 might be regional specialties or or you know have particular growing preferences will grow here, just with some some care and attention. You know, nothing too special. We just got it grown in the ground. We grow a bunch of successions. and Well, we should talk about, we had a moment, um, because Mark, you supplied some amazing uh, produce for uh, the farm dinner I did at Lions Farmette. And one of the courses involved serpent gourd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John, what's they were it, on the table. What's it called? Cucuruza? Cucuza. Cucuza. And then John, John was sitting there, and it was just an amazing connection to see the impact of what you grew with a memory from you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was amazing. Well, the other people at the dinner were mostly uh, looking at this long, very long, uh, light green squash and just kind of, you know, I'd, you know, they were relatively indifferent. But I, I knew immediately what it was because uh, even though I realize Lendorf doesn't sound like it, but uh, my uh, my maiden name, so to speak, is Mazzola. My... Uh, Grandparents uh, came over from uh, Sicily, and um, all of the Italian-American families grew it. Right. And uh, usually they end up getting really twisted and, and weird. If you uh, go on the ground, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, wonderful taste, though. A little bit different than a zucchini. Yeah. Yeah, it's got some sweetness to it, different texture. But kind of spongy and yeah, yeah, yep. Really beautiful texture. I just shaved it really thin, uh, served it with a little, um, little bit of burrata, uh, some encapsulated olive oil. It was smoked sea salt. It was really, yeah, absolutely beautiful texture and flavor profile as a base, um, and really phenomenal. Yeah, exquisite. It's actually in this too. I brought, I brought some uh, summer ratatouille. Ooh. That I did using oh. using uh, remnants of the uh, kakuza and then well, what was we it should... trombuccino squash? Yeah, the other one. Well, yeah. we, we yeah. should. You should probably hand, we should probably have dinner first. So why don't you? Oh yeah, before we do dessert. And, uh, yeah. While while Daniel is uh, <laughs> while Daniel is doing that, I'm going to remind you that you're listening to Kitchen Table Talk on KGNU uh, wherever you are in the uh, KGNU uh, metaverse. Uh, we'd love to hear you hear from you if you have any questions call 303-442-4242 or uh, dj at kgnu.org if you have a question um jen messenger is here uh known her for just forever basically 20 Uh, 20 plus years uh, uh, i believe she I bet she read. She probably read my column when she was a little girl. I did. Yeah. That's great. 
Isn't that awesome? I hate it. I told my mom about that I, I was doing this. She goes, I know John Lendorf. <laughs> Everyone knows John Lendorf. Everyone knows John Lendorf. <laughs> I love With that it. tone. Yeah. Right. I, that's my mother. Well, that always makes me feel great. Yeah, that's I, yeah. My mom used to read your column to me when I was a little baby. No. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and it's that's a it's awesome. a it's a wonderful thing because uh, I've I've connected with so many people over the years and uh, the memories are are usually warm except for, <laughs> except for a few restaurant tours that I reviewed but that's a separate uh, yeah, a, yeah. A separate Twist, issue West food people you're a local legend yes so. I completely agree 100% and I, we'd love some uh, legendary calls uh, in here we have a uh, baking expert if you have any questions about uh, pie cake or cookies at uh, altitude uh, also uh, Jen talk a little talk Talk a minute just about, uh, we have all of these incredible fruit coming in, fruits coming in from the Western Slope. It's a wonderful year for peaches and plums. And folks, you know, next year there could be none because it'll freeze in the spring or something. This is a great year for peaches. So I'm I'm buying them, I'm slicing them, putting them on a cookie sheet, freezing them, putting them in bags, I'm... Making uh, just the puree and mm-hmm. also, what 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 are you doing with uh, the the fruits of the season? I mean, we put it in everything. Little galettes, like these little uh, palisade peach galettes with the buckwheat crust. Um, we make pies. We, you know, what's really nice is we have the store right there. So what they're getting in locally, I can just steal for the bakehouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's really convenient. (laughs) So we've gotten some really nice stuff this year and, um, and even the, you know, the chilies are coming in early this year. Um, you know, the, uh, new Mexican chilies. And the the Colorado chilies. And the Colorado chilies. And yeah, so we'll use those in um, biscuits and. Jose, um, Jose is not here, so we feel like we can say, you know, yeah, get your, get your, get your local peppers, you know, you don't have to, you know. Oh, I believe we have a uh, a, a caller. Sorry, my hands are Okay, this first caller is John in Longmont. Good morning, John. Hello. Hello. How are you all? Thanks for being there. Hey, I wanted to say congratulations to the uh, gentleman from Esoterra. I'm from Longmont. I used to walk past his garden down there on Francis Street all the time, and I he would share the wealth of knowledge. So he turned me on to the use of the broad fork. I now have a tunnel structure like what he had. But uh, that property is under potential annexation and development. And I just wanted to say that it's such an asset to have somebody growing in the community that people could just say, hey, what do you got in there? So I want to say thank you for that and cheers for his success. But a question, uh, I want to grow some rutabagas. And I, and I had some good luck with turnips that I put in the spring, but when is it too late for me to put the rutabagas and other root crops like that in there? Hey, John. Um, thanks Hi. for thanks for the comments. It's good to hear your voice. It's been, yeah, been a yeah, minute, yeah. huh? What a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, well, with, with rutabagas, I tend to think of them as, as something that we'd start, we'd put in in early June. And so okay. the window... I think it's closed for rutabagas right now. Okay. I'm thinking more about like the quicker turnips. Um, so like our hawkeye turnips and our radishes and some of the other more exotic turnips might also do a thing too, like okay. Monokabu and um, and maybe the, the Scarlet Ono turnip. But um, I don't think rutabagas would, would make a good okay. root for you right now. I'm, all, but I'm always worried that it's too hot for them in the summer, but yeah, it's not, not so hot. Huh? 
they they'll they'll push on through you know fight off pests and diseases and then they'll, they'll start putting their root on in the fall yeah and okay. then really right. size up and yeah. and the other thing of course that you can plant now is uh you'll be able to plant garlic soon that'll be for next mm-hmm. year right definitely okay. yeah yeah it's generally the last okay. thing we do in the garden yeah all right. Well, you guys are all past taking the torch on those questions. I used to be able to go down the street and ask them, but thank you for doing that on the air. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, John. Have Thanks. a great day. Thanks for all calling. Right. Thanks for calling. Right. Bye-bye. Very cool. We actually have another caller. Oh. Shauna in Glendale. Hi, Shauna. How are you? Hi. I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, got a question? Yes. Well, um, we had some huge summer squash zucchinis uh, come up. We we got they're like two feet long each one of them, and we have four of them right now. And I'm just not quite sure what to do with this. Um, I'm thinking bread. What, what would you suggest? I would say take the first one, and around two thirty a.m. sneak over to your neighbors and put it on their porch. But, <laughs> but let's let's let's, let's let's each of us uh, give a, a zucchini uh, suggestion here. Um, mine would be to um, slice it really thin, uh, toss it with uh, a good oil and some uh, salt and pepper, maybe a few spices, and just uh, put it in the air fryer and uh, keep it in there until they really get crisp, almost like a, a potato chip. Yum. Oh, zucchini chips. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Daniel? I, you know what? I've got zucchini bread on my mind because my amazing wife, Steph, uh, just made some a few days ago. So I, I'm really into, um, you know, utilizing some local heirloom um, heirloom wheat uh, locally milled. You know, Moxie does a phenomenal job. Dry Storage does a phenomenal job um, using, you know, I would use that as a base um, and make a really nice uh, zucchini bread. I think you can use a lot of um, squashes in that regard. Right. And well, we should, it. we should say that, you know. You can't taste the zucchini. It's well. It's not a zucchini flavored bread. It's probably some, you know. Sure, that's like true. You, you're hiding a vegetable, is what you're doing. Theoretically, right? yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people want to hide vegetables. I, I and we we don't want that's that's a different show. <laughs> that's, that's, is that's that a, for Let's Talk Turnips? Yeah, that's the zucchini. Hour. <laughs> that's our other show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jen. Well, I have a. a sunflower seed zucchini bread at the cafe right now but in the spirit of not everything sweet yeah. my husband last night um made he he took zucchini and he cubed it um probably like half inch tossed it in salt and let it drain and then did a really light tempura batter fried it and then put a beautiful anchovy on top Ooh, um, yeah. it was so good that's great yeah no wonder you married him i know he's yeah. a good cook nice. <laughs> and he's obsessed with represent. mark like he's like, oh my God! You get to meet him Tell this him morning. Tell him to come visit. <laughs> get his contact come information. To the farm. That's great. <laughs> oh, the farm is gorgeous. Another another zucchini idea. Most definitely. Um, you know, we are flooded with zucchini right now, um, and we, you know, overwhelmed by it. But it sure is nice to have some zucchini to take out and and toss into a winter uh, a winter soup. So we've been, my wife has been slicing them and drying them um, and then storing them in jars in the pantry. And, um, you know, we make those beautiful, rich winter broths. Just take out some zucchinis, some, some dried porcinis, mm. throw them in there. You of course, know, the other thing, the other That's thing you great. can do with a large zucchini is to, um, you know, scrape it out and then fill it with um, stuff it. 
Yeah, all kinds of stuff. It could ground be ground lamb or uh, ground mushrooms, for that matter, sure. or or something like that. Okay. And it's a nice way to serve it. Beautiful, beautiful present. All right, that was amazing ideas. Um, we do have an air fryer. That sounds like something I'm definitely going to do. And how long would you suggest to it keeps, like maybe freeze it if I can't freeze? You you mean freeze? Uh, well, you don't. I don't think you want to freeze raw zucchini. Um, okay. You probably have to cook it. I mean, yeah, you could, right, I would I would blanch it, and then, um, you know, you can do kind of like that IQF process at home, uh, where you put it on a small sheet tray in the freezer, and then once it, you know, all the pieces individually freeze so they won't stick, then you can put them in a, um, in a freezer bag, you know, and, you know, I think they'd store nicely for about a year but, or so. But you you just brought in, uh, Daniel brought in some uh, delicious... Uh, oh, yeah, summer ratatouille. This is with some of Mark's amazing vegetables from Esoterra. This is beautiful vegetables but, uh, uh, from Market Olin and but, then uh, the folks but, at Dharma's Garden. But you can combine the zucchini and some other vegetables with all the... This is a great year for tomato. Great year. Go, 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 oh, yeah, go to your farmers. Uh, go to your farmers and ask them for the worst-looking tomatoes they have the seconds and thirds and uh, turn that into a quick sauce cook it yeah you can jar it put it up and yeah jar, and, you can jar yeah. it but if you can't if you don't want to put it in small uh, containers and put it in the freezer and you're going to be really happy you have that on a tuesday in december absolutely i Instant picked about 100 tomatoes uh this morning we have this one tomato and it's about the size of a football but it's still really green is that wow normal? well it could be really? a green, could be a green tomato you know you can it could be okay. That's, that's is it possible. soft? Okay. Is it? So- um, no, it's hard. Huh? So it's still got some ripening to go. Well, then wow! wow. It's the size of a football. Oh. <laughs> it's <so> gigantic. <laughs> well, then come work for me. Well, <laughs> and and uh, there is uh, always uh, fried green tomatoes. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, thanks for calling. Thanks much. Uh, yeah, fried green tomatoes, so delicious. Love fried green tomatoes. Those hey, guess what? BLT. Guess what? You're listening to KGNU FM 88.5 Boulder, KGNU 1390 Denver. Continue. Excellent. Thanks I'm, for the shout out to Marigold, by the way. Chef Theo is doing amazing things amazing there. Amazing things yeah. there. I still have to make it in for dinner, but I keep hearing so, oh, it's, it's so nice hearing that beautiful buzz about a restaurant that is so, um, you know, intensely local and thoughtful. Right, and Chef right. Theo's incredibly talented. So yeah, I love, he's created I love a nice hearing space that. there. Yeah, it's great. It's homey and, yeah. you know, not too pretentious. It's a great community and, yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. comes to the farm every Wednesday to pick up his produce. So I, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah, got to connect with the soil. Mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna mention a um, a story mark that just happened yesterday. I was at the the Wednesday night um, market in Boulder uh, downtown, um, and uh, Nate Curry, who's in a cr- an incredible human being, um, has been part of our team at River and Woods for a very long time, and then uh, dove into the um, uh, team at Black Belly, um, and I ran into him, and he literally said to me. Have you seen Mark from Esoterra? Is he here? Like he had this look of, like desperation, and I was like, I don't, I know, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't think so. I don't think he's here. What's is everything okay? And he was like, Yeah, we just did a lineup and a tasting, and he had these amazing cucumelons, and he just does such beautiful things, and this ice lettuce that we had, and it blows of all all of our guests away. And I just needed to come meet him, so I could connect with the person that's created these ingredients that are impacting our dining room. Mm. And I want to share that with you because that's really such a profound statement, not only on what you do and the intention behind all of these things, but it's such a statement on our local growing community and the heart and soul that goes into cultivation, 
with a high level of intention and the impact that that can have a week later on a plate and then how that affects the service team and seeing the reaction from the guests. So I wanted to share that with you. It's such an amazing moment and mm. such a beautiful synchronicity with, you know, this morning. And I literally right. was like, he's going to be on the show tomorrow morning. He's like, he's going to be in the studio. I got to come see him. It was, I was, it was so great to see his enthusiasm and need to connect with the human being that was affecting people so profoundly in their restaurant, in their kitchen. Wow. I love that. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. And one of the one of the um, beautiful things about having these relationships with restaurants and really focusing on that um, that through line is that we're we bring all of our restaurants out to the farm to do front of the house, back of the house, full full tours to look at our growing practices, to taste their way around the garden and really get that that intimacy with the space. Yes. And really like intimacy it kind of is the the uniting principle of the whole process, whether it's, you know, us, the, the team in the garden, knowing so well right. these plants, mm-hmm. um, and and then that that knowledge and intimacy moving out into the community. Because uh, you bring the waiters out there, too. Absolutely, yeah. And um, when they're talking to the public, you know, and they're talking about the dish, and they can say... Well, you know, I went to the farm and I, you know, I, I tasted them. You should see them. It's just, it's incredible. You know, I mean, it's that, that kind of, it's not wrapped in plastic and arrives from uh, some uh, large nameless uh, food distributor. Yeah. We won't make fun of because we probably supply no, I, some of our guests. I but. love the, yeah, intimacy <laughs> is such a good statement because the opposite of that, I think, is detachment. And yeah. I think that's what's torpedoed a lot of our food system unfortunately is the idea of detachment and not knowing where mm. things actually come from or who, mm. who touched those things yeah. i think yeah. same with um all of your amazing sweet and savory work that you do is you know you walk into lucky's bakehouse and it's like this transforming expression of this case in front of you it's completely mesmerizing you know i go in there with my kids and i just walk they're like it's like going to disney world or something it's <laughs> unbelievable the impact that that has, and then it's edible. You know, it becomes the sensual expression right. that mm. people take into their bodies, and it's really, it's profound and amazing. I'm, I, I'm actually having a sensual experience. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go into a lot of detail, but... John, you're on what fire is, this morning. What is, what, is, what is it? It's a Persian so love cake. Oh, this is one of my favorite well, things that yeah. you do, uh, with it, the rose in the... Yes. Oh. No, yeah. one, no wonder There's I've, a lot of variations of it, but mm. this took me, rose, like, months to create. Rose water? That is oh. amazing. It has totally Toasted oat flour, almond paste, almond flour, turmeric, rose water, raspberries. It's amazing. Wow. As a general rule, uh, I tell tell people to keep flowers out of food. I don't understand lavender ice cream, but that's that's probably a personal one. I love flowers. It's my daughter's favorite lavender ice cream. And rose (laughs) rose water, uh, you know, uh, typically is an Indian desserts and things like that. Right. Middle Eastern, but... Sometimes it's just overdone, and it's you don't too... want to be too heavy-handed. For this is sure. this is perfect. Mm. Very light. Amazing. What's it called Good. again? A uh, Persian love cake. Yeah. No, no wonder I was passionate. I know, about it. right? <laughs> there you go. Hey, folks, we're having a great time down here. You got this uh, brain trust of uh, culinary and agricultural talent here. This is the time to get your uh, questions answered about uh, what to do with all that uh, produce, or uh, how to turn it into baked goods, or uh, you know, whatever whatever you want to ask about. And that's 303-442-4242. I have a question. 
<laughs> this is me on the um, board operating, okay. jumping right in. So the Kuka melons over there, what do you use them for? Did you try? Um, well, the cucumelons are, you know, kind of a a nice pop of texture and flavor and brightness. I use them like so many cucumbers. I just I just chomp on them. Like this time of year, I don't eat so cucumbers good. in December. They're disappointing, mm -hmm. you know. So what this kind of communicates to me is is hydration and and fun. And so we we snack on them. They're a great snack, you know. I, it feels so ridiculous to open a bag of chips when you could walk into the garden and and pop these cucumelons into your mouth. Um, also, we pickle them, and it's taken me uh, to like a restructuring my relationship to to like with with food in general. Like if you have a a, a taco, and you know your taco has the basics on there, but then you can pull out this beautiful lacto-fermented cucumelon, slice it into thin slices and put it on there. The potency of flavor, the probiotics, um, kind of the saltiness of it, that's something that I just say yes to, you know? So it's an opportunity to, to experience uh, pickles in a different form and to snack well. And, so. if, and for people who have maybe never seen these before, they look like itty-bitty little watermelons <laughs> like teeny tiny little bite-sized watermelons and i actually used to have these in a garden where i lived this is in southern mexico but the birds would go nuts over these right. things we didn't plant them they were just They're they were wild. growing up yeah. the fence and the birds would just i mean it was just a bird magnet so wasn't really sure um you know i saw these and was like i haven't seen these in the u.s ever so how did you even where did these come from you know, I pay a lot of attention to to seed catalogs and different seed companies and what they're doing, what they're offering. And I feel like my job, I don't really grow seed, but it is to, um, is to take some of these varieties that have been kept by these seed growers and then present them to the world so they get appreciated. Right, because they're not sitting in a seed bank somewhere, you know, just waiting, you know, for yeah. that magic day. Yeah, and I, there's no reason why we couldn't, shouldn't have these in whole foods too in little mm. clamshells i mean it's uh it, it, our food system is is dynamic mm. right it's changing and resilient yeah so yeah. you know it's going to be 90 today 90 tomorrow still feels like summer and everything but uh <clears throat> sorry to be the bringer of you know remind you of everything but uh you know uh fall winter it's not that far away um i'd like to talk for a minute about preserving it you mentioned uh, pickling. Um, lacto, you know, fermentation is a little more complicated. But, well, talk, talk about the, t I mean, you could just do a simple pickle. Sure. Uh, so talk about how to do that. We actually don't do simple pickles. I, I don't know. I, I don't can't speak to that, really. Okay. I don't do too many vinegar pickles. Because, really, lacto-fermentation sounds intimidating. But it's it's so accessible. And it's so easy. And once you just take you, up some basic... How do you do it? I mean, so you're basically making a brine. Right. And that brine is like a maybe 3% salt. I, I, yeah, there's I different three to, three formulas. To 3 to 5% yeah, salt. Exactly. And then you need to submerge the vegetable in the brine. Now, we do this with, with cucumbers. We do this with radishes. This is one of our favorites. You know, about to come into like fall radish season. Just beautiful daikon radishes. Ugh. Shred it up. 
you know, packed in a brine and let to sit. You can add in your spices, your garlic, and it's one of the most incredible condiments to pull out. And you have a couple half-gallon jars in the back of your fridge. You exactly. can pull out all winter and just but scoop it, out. But it, it, fer it ferments itself. Right. So, you know, well, you can leave it on the counter for seven days, submerged in the brine with some sort of weight. There's tons of little contraptions you can get to screw on top There's of and, and, and uh, yeah. we, we had a guest on uh, a few months ago from Boulder Fermentation Supply. Ah. And uh, excellent source of uh, all the things you need for this. But, the gadgets. Uh, yeah, you just can't worry about it going bad sitting on the counter. It's supposed to go bad. <laughs> it goes fact, good. Well, it well, goes good. Look, <laughs> some of some of my favorite foods. Oh, that's awesome. Some of my it favorite goes food, good. Some of my favorite that. foods are are foods that you know you think well it's something that went bad and somebody discovered that it tasted good, whether it's milk. Yeah. Or uh, grape juice, or you know, coffee. Right. Coffee ferments, cocoa ferments, and we have a caller. Uh, yes, indeed. Steve is on the line. Steve, what's your question? Hi, I've got a, a apple tree in the backyard, and almost throughout the ends of the branch of the branches, the leaves on the end of the branches have died. So the tree seems pretty healthy, but peppered throughout the thing has dead leaves. Is that a, what do you think about that, if anything? Oh, it's a mysterious realm, uh, life and death and disease and <laughs> soil moisture, um, yes. stress. Um, you know, we got surprised this year by the most horrible spider mite infestation that i've seen oh, and wow. it was it, i've never seen them before and uh, you know there's it's a puzzle it's a puzzle for you and i don't have the answer is what i can say but what i can say is uh if you if you want to find out more about that there's a lot of different farmers and farm stands that specialize in different things benevolence orchard yes Wesley. Uh, they're or, or orchardists yeah you know or whatever that word is um, and they uh, they teach classes in uh, taking care of your trees and uh, that kind of thing. So that's that, that's a good source. They're on J Road, I think. Yeah, Wesley is an incredible farmer. He's got a lot of knowledge and mm. um, and orchardist. And it is a different realm. I mean, we deal with things mm. in our with our ve with our vegetables that are just um, in a different category. Mm. But, There's, but yeah. do you have apples? Yes, many. There's there's several on each branch. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try to deal with them i'm not sure what to do but uh, i have apples so uh, this didn't slow down the apple production and it was just dead dead things on a healthy tree i wondered if you all could help me so it's okay okay thank you thank you mm -hmm. bye the other thing i'd mention about uh, apple trees basically any other fruit tree that you have is a wonderful organization called community fruit rescue in boulder and um uh, what they will do is come and uh, they get volunteers and they come and harvest uh, the fruit off your tree. This does a couple of different things. One, it uh, removes uh, temptation from the local bears who are trying to uh, fatten up for the winter. Uh, but it, a lot of it goes towards uh, goes to food banks and things like that. Um, so. Contact Community Food Rescue if you have a uh, tree that needs harvesting, or you can volunteer. And they, if they harvest your tree, they give you some of the fruit, so that's nice. Very cool. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They do really good work. 
And it's important to share that, you, you know, in, in, um, you know, in other areas of the world, you know, anything that's harvested, you know, people package up and just leave on their fence for other families walking by to just grab and have mm -hmm. extra from their fruit mm -hmm. trees, which is amazing. So to let, you know, to let your fruit trees, you know, do their magic and then let that just sit and rot on the ground is doing a huge disservice to not just the tree, but to the people that are a part of your community tree. Because imagine what you could make out of those apples. Mm. Yeah. yeah and uh, there's people who, of course, will press it into cider, which is another another use for a lot of those. Uh, there's a lot of heirloom trees in uh, Boulder County from the old days. Yeah. And they're they tracking a lot of them. And they now. and they weren't yeah. they weren't for eating. They were for making cider. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, so they're they're not necessarily sweet. What is that large green thing the size of a child's head that's on, on the table there? Sorry, folks. I, I wish we were on TV right now. This is a present that I brought for you all, all wrapped up here. We're going to unwrap it, I don't know, um, so, so you can see what's inside. And it really, for me, betokens the transition to fall. Um, the big celebration for us right now is the return and the, the first fall chicories. Um, and so these are uh, different varieties from the Veneto, Veneto region of Northern Italy. Um, and each region sort of has its own specialty of, of chicory that has been bred for certain qualities. Um, and this is the Lucia variety, which is one of the earliest. I'm gonna unwrap it here and you'll see kind of the magic of what happens. Oh, this is great. Yeah. And we grow a lot of chicories um, in the fall uh, and it keeps us really happy and um, deep into the winter. So you can see this kind of self-blanching that's occurring. Right. Wow. You see this? Wow. It's sort of becoming kind layer of... Layer by layer. And uh, can you use that uh, to make like uh, you would with cabbage and use it to make cabbage rolls, or is it too delicate for that? Um, it's it's pretty durable. You can use it. It's it's versatile. You can cook. you could use it for something like that. You can yeah. cook it for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, or just eat it in a salad either way. But well, look at that. Well, let's beautiful. taste it. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's hand you a leaf here. That is perfect. <laughs> and for folks who are maybe saying, hmm, it's you're talking about eat. all this stuff, but I don't know what it looks like. You can go to our Instagram nice. page and see at least some of the the breads from from Lucky's mm. that we have. So. And, and also the um, cucamelon? No. Cucamelon, what is it? The cucamelon, yeah. yeah. Our digital engagement intern has left for the day, so if <laughs> any, any photos that weren't already taken are there not on go. our Instagram. But uh, they're, they're, some of this food is up on our Instagram page, so, so check good. it out. It's so good. Chicory so, is so misunderstood also, and it, like, yeah. people are intimidated by the bitterness, but it's absolutely beautiful. Well, I think in it's hearty. You can grill it, you can right. saute it, you can add it to a raw salad and add these beautiful you know, notes of, of um, just <laughs> pungent. It's great, right? Don't you think? It's got this great uh, um, well, let's element of... Well, let's use this. Um, I think people do have an, uh, either an aversion or a fear, unless they grew up with it, I kind of think, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. One right. of the first things you should do with a baby is put something, you know, give them all those tastes so it's not a foreign thing. A lot, right. of, pe a lot of people don't understand... Uh, the importance of uh, bitterness. Absolutely. We're not talking about relationships here. We're talking about <laughs> food. And I just wrote a story. No, I just most wrote, relationships I, are bittersweet too. Well, I, that's true. No, <laughs> yeah. I, no I, I just did a story about Cocktail Caravan, this local company that uses fresh mm. produce and things. And uh, the owner was saying, "Well, you know, 
if you're just adding fresh squeezed juice to uh, local vodka or something, that's a that's a mixed drink. For it to be a cocktail, there has to be these elements in it. There has to be a little sweet, and there absolutely has to be uh, some bitter. And mm-hmm. typically, bitters are added there to bring that. Yeah. But there's mm-hmm. other there's other flavors and things that are bitter, like bitter orange and stuff that uh, are uh, are really wonderful if they're they're done right. So t- talk a little bit about uh, bitterness in cooking. Well, you know, I look at, you know, the balancing of the taste, like the Ayurvedic principles of, of, of eating are very interesting with bringing in the different elements of, um, you know, like that um, sour and sweet and tart and acidic um, um, but and the heat. Bit, but, but talk that about, bitter what? note, a little bit of acridness, that bitterness. I mean, so that's what you, I love about eggplant, you know, is if you don't necessarily salt it first to, you know, to bring that out. I actually like those notes of bitterness that eggplant brings. And, you know, I think... Um, people are intimidated by the palate that is bitter, but it's actually a, a very necessary element in cooking. And I think it, it specifically, like you said, in cocktails as well. Um, but I've cooked with bitters, literally, like the liquid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's great to add at the end of a dish as a finishing move um, to a sauce. You know, it can round out certain flavor and, profiles. And if something's too sweet, you can balance it with bitter. But e- but it's even part of your flavor arsenal. But, but even in baked goods. Um, you know, it's not that you want it to taste bitter, but it makes it makes things much more interesting. You, and you can actually put bitters in like apple pie. Done mm-hmm. that, yeah. A couple drops of that just Ooh. really balances it. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same with pastry. I mean, you need to have all the sweet, um, sugary but sour, and like these little donuts right here with the fun dip. They're really I sweet. So if you so you dip it in the little raspberry fun dip, oh boy, mm. they're uh. Just citric acid in there? Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> playful. You playful. Know, oh, you I think mean, pastry, uh, pastry's meant to be playful, oh my too. Gosh. I, I have not had that. This is at the bakery all the time. It's so at good. the cafe. They're little lemon ricotta donuts oh. with this little but fun the, dip. Talk about what, what what fun dip is. Well, I remember as a kid, <laughs> you know, we used pouch. to put the little, uh, put the little uh, like chalky a, sticks. Like a little, Yes, yeah, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. It's a grown-up version. Oh, just such a good Dehydrated memory. raspberries and sugar and citric acid. Yeah. And it just makes it poppy. That is so cool. <laughs> that is so this fun. is awesome. Good. You gotta have a you gotta have a sense of play with food. You know, you do. You have to. It's what makes it a little interesting. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. It should be fun. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Close close up the, the cookbook. And, a question. You know, a question. Improvise a little bit. Yeah. Right? Just um, dance. I just want to add something that somebody is coming in via email to address a question from I believe it was Steve saying questions about tree disease. Take a branch to the county extension of CSU at the Boulder County Fairgrounds. Nice. They'll tell you what you've got. That's great info, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the, there you go. It's right there at the corner of the I think it's Nelson Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would make an appointment first, but uh, before you bring a diseased wow. limb into. Uh, you know, <laughs> Just Quarantine. Saying. Just saying. True. Uh, <laughs> Very true. Back to bitters, uh, but uh, obviously, uh, in a, this in a salad. So what? What's this one called again? Um, this is uh, a Lucia variety of, uh, of uh, chicory. Chicken. Oftentimes, like you'll but sometimes see... chicory is like a leafy thing, right? Um, yeah, it could be kind of like look more like a dandelion leaf. Um, right. Uh, and so many different kinds. Yeah, there's many, mm. di- many different kinds. Well, like well, you see the one in the store, which is the uh, the Kyoja variety, which is like around like a cabbage, red and white. Oh. But with all of them, really, like when you have that bitter component, 
you know, right away, it's such a simple, like, I'm, I'm chopping them up, dressing them with olive oil, garlic, a little preserved lemon, um, anchovies, anchovies, and just kind of yeah. like tossing that up. And it, it ignites a fire of, of excitement and sort of yesness inside of me that this time of year is, um, is just right going into the, the cold months. And, and you know, it's doing good things for your, for your, um, for your what your di- your liver control. your is it your bile is being cleansed just... by it the bitters <laughs> it, you produce more bile i don't i don't know specifically i'm not a nutritionist yeah, yeah. but the physiology of food yeah and how it impacts things yeah and mark you know i had the pleasure of, of touring um your farm um with a whole bunch of amazing people um to connect with um harvest week which is coming up through eat denver um, which is one of my favorite events of the year um, and you know, we were wandering through the fields. I literally, I took like two pages of notes as I was following you and your enthusiasm and passion about what was happening was amazing. And I just wanted to say, like you were talking about the brassica field after fall becomes an overwintered spinach field and then becomes summer lettuces and quick greens and then becomes carrots. And it was like, so awesome to listen to this, you know, the circular elements of utilizing a field properly. Um, and how to how to utilize soil in a way that makes sense for different crops at different times of the year. I thought that was amazing. And then you were speaking of um, rhizophagy. Was this other fascinating yeah. concept that you were talking about? Yeah, and we're learning a lot about what's going on um, under the soil. Uh, it, 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 it's crazy that we're just learning this. Um, but um, what's happening in the rhizosphere, which is the area around the roots is um, the roots are excreting a substance that attracts certain bacteria. Um, Those bacteria have digested as part of their nutrient cycling process the rock component of the soil, Um, so certain minerals. And the plant attracts them close to it, and then it opens up and engulfs them, the bacteria specifically. With some of them, it dissolves their cell wall and takes the minerals from them. And minerals is what the plants and we need to right. grow healthily. That's right. So, uh, so that and with other ones, they'll they'll do an exchange. They'll take the minerals from the bacteria that have been pre-digested and are now bioavailable for the plant. Yeah. And then they will release the bacteria back into the soil and the bacteria will just go shake it off and be like, whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then go off and get more rock components from the, from the yeah. soil profile and then go through this whole dance again, getting, whoa, what's that nice smell over there? Right. And then... You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, oh, the so cool. But the successive plantings, plantings uh, yeah. are, are designed to uh, rearm the soil for whatever the last crop took out, <clears throat> so it keeps um, fixing itself. Right. So if we grow like if we, and I've done this as an experiment before, is to try to grow a cauliflower in the same place two two successions in a row. The, the frame of the plant at the second growing will be much smaller. And it mm-hmm. is it has used a good portion of certain minerals from the soil. And despite, you know, a little bit of fertilizer, a little bit of compost, then that, that plant would still maybe be limited in its growth by certain trace minerals. Um, so we, we use these rotations. 
um, they allow us to have different kind of cultivation um, um, qualities. Like a, a plant might have a deep root that would open up a nice uh, pathway deeper into the soil. And when we pull that carrot out, then it's leaving fine roots behind, but a nice path pathway there for, for air to enter in. And and um, it, each each plant has a different need and um an action in the garden wow. so we just kind of keep it nice and diverse and um each time we work the beds we amend and add minerals and compost and worm castings and um but we are no-till that's something we haven't mentioned yet it's explicitly important no-till no exactly yeah yeah it's amazing to really dive into the soil in that way and <clears throat> we're uh rolling towards the end of uh kitchen table talk <clears throat> I had one more question for our guests, and we'll reintroduce them to you uh, before we go. But uh, typically, I get asked this question. But what's the, what's the best thing you've tasted lately, Jen? Ooh, good question. Oh gosh, um, putting you on the spot. No, it doesn't have to be a restaurant. Okay, it could just well, be something okay. You I'm going to tell you. Um, a couple nights ago, we went to the new restaurant, Masa. Yes, the Oaxacan. The Oaxacan yeah. um, restaurant. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard too much about it, but I always like to check out, you know, what's mm. coming to town. And they had a trio of salsas, and one was a salsa Merida, 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 yeah, uh, um, matcha, matcha, matcha. Oh. with the oil base. So, yes, the with the sesame, seeds and, nuts. and it has oh. Merida chilies Matcha's in it. Matcha's amazing. Um, has grapeseed oil mm. as a base. Um, yeah, three kinds of toasted chili, peanuts. So if you have peanut allergy, you oh. want to avoid it. But I. But very could have eaten that was that. it. Very different. That was it. Over and over. That was it. Very different from. Very different. Young. Yeah, they did a really nice job. Favorite favorite bite lately? Um, last night I came home to um, to pozole that my wife had made, and we lived in New Mexico for seven years, and so when we came back, we we uh, make this this beautiful pozole. We mm. started to get those cool nights and had. Uh, mm some some pork in there from uh from golden hoof which we've got a membership over at oh, golden hoof great. farm yeah um so yeah and and chilies i assume uh 100 yeah <laughs> that's great daniel mine's so easy because it just blew me away last night rang tang barbecue um at the boulder farmer's market wednesday nights and i think saturdays also um they did this smoked um beef cheek that was completely mind-blowing, served with mm. chimichurri, and it was, like, really, I mean, like, lo should be lines around the block situation. Mm. We could do a whole show just about uh, cheeks. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like fish, fish, che fish cheeks. Yeah. I mean, uh -huh. I like of a course. scalp. Yeah. Uh, it's a great cut. Yeah. And uh, necessary. Uh, you want to uh, reintroduce our guests and yes. uh, say goodbye. Yes. Um, yeah, completely. Jen Messenger, thank you for joining us. Uh, Lucky's Bakehouse founder, um, mm. an amazing pastry visionary, I would say, in many different thank ways. You. Sweet and savory. Um, and then Mark Dearspinas, um, founder, founding farmer um, of Esoterra Culinary a Garden, one of the most incredibly diverse and exquisite um, gardens I've come across. Thank you for coming it was such a pleasure to have you so good Thanks and your golden raspberries us. were also amazing oh. <laughs> i can't believe they were uh, yeah unbelievable and of course the my wonderful uh co-host the remarkable uh human being uh it's i can listen to him talk about uh, food all day 
uh, Chef Dan Asher Thanks, John. from River and Blake. Can I mention a couple of quick things? Very quick. Coming up, Marshall to Maui, a fundraiser tonight. Uh, really important. Uh, Chef Adam from the Brewers Association is putting on an amazing thing at Upslope. At Upslope. Okay. And then Slow Food, uh, Boulder County is doing an amazing event at Sunflower Farm on the 17th. Um, and then there's an awesome uh, celebration of life for Andy Clark on the 16th uh, in Louisville, uh, which is going to be pretty amazing. Um, and, um, yeah, that's that. Support all these amazing local events and people doing great things. What a great show. Thank you all, and thanks to thanks, all the John. callers. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. So Hi, good. Thank you.